This show brought to you by Circle of Seven Productions, www.cosproductions.com. Please be sure to subscribe and welcome to our circle. Well, hello, everybody. This is Readers Entertainment Radio, and I am Patricia W. Fisher talking to you about some of the latest releases and some amazing news in the writing world. Um, This is the last day of of April, and it was Grilled Cheese Month. So if you haven't had a really good grilled cheese this month, since a lot of us are at home, it's probably in – the supplies are probably in your refrigerator. So make a grilled cheese for Grilled Cheese Month. And it's also Adopt a Shelter Pet Day and International Jazz Day. So those are all really good ways to kind of make you more happy and uplifting in a time of a bit of a a lot of stress. And one of the ways that I have strongly encouraged people to help with their stress is to read an amazing book. And I have a fantastic author with us today, Stephanie Thornton. She loves history, but not only does she write about an amazing woman that you have not learned about in class, she teaches history as well. Her books tell the story of great women of ancient empires and the chaos they navigated in order to survive. Two books in her latest releases are, and they called it Camelot, a novel about Jacqueline Bouvier Kennedy Onassis, and American Princess, a novel of the first daughter, Alice Roosevelt. They are both out now. And when she's not writing or teaching history, she spends time with her husband and daughter. If you would like to get a hold of her, she has a blog, a Twitter, Twitter, Facebook, Insta, uh, let's see, Instagram, Goodreads, and, and on her website. And she's with us here today. Welcome to the show, Miss Stephanie Thornton. How are you today? Are you there? Oh, hold on. Hey, Stephanie, are you there? Let's see. We got. She's still there. She's on the board. So hold on. Oh, hey. How are you? Good. How are you? Thanks so much for having me. Uh, Absolutely. So I did a little intro of you and I talked about how you really love history. Um, So tell us where your love for history began. Um, My very first moment when I realized, oh my gosh, this old stuff is really cool, um, actually came all the way back in first grade. I remember we were watching a video on the discovery of the Titanic, and they showed uh-huh. uh, the submarine shot where there's the, the chandelier that was hanging from uh, the ceiling that you know is now, I don't know how many depths under the sea, but a whole lot. Uh, and I just remember looking at that thinking, that is so amazing. People, you know, almost 100 years ago at that point in time, uh, danced under that chandelier they walked under that and now it's under the bottom of the sea that's that's amazing um right so that that was my first little inkling that this history stuff was pretty great um i became really fascinated with women in uh ancient history uh which then burgeoned into a love of um women from all eras of history um in seventh grade i had to sign up for a famous person in history, give her a report. Um, I wanted Cleopatra because everybody knows who she is, and I instead um, sure. someone else had gotten her, so I ended up with a different uh, female pharaoh named Hatshepsut, um, which I ended up writing a book about her. Uh, so right. it's been a, a long path, um, but history is my, my jam, so I'm a total history nerd now. <laughs> so what's fun that you mentioned the Titanic, so I had a cousin um, who's passed away since then, but he um, was um, the operator of the cameras, and he was actually on the ship that day. He was the, one of the ones with Ballard, Dr. Ballard, and helping find it, and um, he said that they were 
you know, just saying, well, it might be, in the, you know, we might find something here. And they were like, wow, he was, he was telling us that moment they found it. So it was a pretty cool story to be, you know, talk to someone who'd actually been there um, the moment they found oh, the Titanic. Wow. So I know, very cool. Um, and, and you're right, with, with the history lessons that we have in school, did you find that, um, you know, after you, you wanted to do Cleopatra and you found a different pharaoh, was it a little eye-opening to see that there was a lot less written about these different women you were trying to find out or women that you were like, oh, well, certainly a woman was part of this and you're finding not much. Right. And with Hatshepsut, I mean, she's not a household name. And, you know, this is in the time period before the Internet. So we had to go down to the school library and actually open mm-hmm. up books. And, you know, I I was looking through, I don't remember if it was an encyclopedia, but some, some big resource book. Um, and there was pages of stuff on Cleopatra. And then I got to Hatshepsut and it was legitimately one paragraph. <laughs> Like, but wow. I have to write a whole report on this, um, and that actually helped fuel the reason why I wanted to write a book about her. Um, sure, because they did a whole lot more archaeology um, and found that the story that had been in that little paragraph was actually incorrect. It was you know her portrayed as this evil usurper who took the throne because how dare a woman do that? Um, and that was definitely actually not the case. But it took it took some extra work on the part of the Egyptologists and so on in more modern history uh, to, to uncover that. Right. So I, I know that um, a lot of people, you know, that if they write contemporary romance or they read, but when you're going into hist- historical, whether you do nonfiction or fiction, um, there's a lot of research involved. How do you prioritize and then how do you keep from going down that rabbit hole? Or do you just let yourself go down that rabbit hole? So some rabbit holes are just so enticing that I can't stop myself. Um, But, for example, with my two most recent books, um, I shifted from ancient history. My first four novels are about um, ancient women. Um, And now the the more recent two are, you know, women who lived within the last hundred years. Like, um, you know, Mm -hmm. Alice Roosevelt didn't pass away until 1980. Jackie Kennedy was – I was alive at the same time she was – Right. So there's a lot more research that went into writing their stories because there's so much more documentation. Um, and it is historical fiction, but I'm, I'm not going to change the timeline. I'm not going to change the events of these women's lives. Um, with Jackie mm-hmm. Kennedy, for example, I had to be really diligent, um, and there were many rabbit trails um, that I could have gone uh, and pursued um, even farther than I did because – you know, okay, well, I'm writing this scene that's set at this White House event that she was hosting, and we, we actually have, you know, the menus. We know which wine was served. We know which uh, mm-hmm. gown she wore, all of those things. So I had to be really meticulous about those things. But, you know, sometimes there's uh, a rabbit hole that you could fall down um, about things like, oh, my gosh, okay, so what would the buttons have been made out of that were on this man's jacket? And, you know, a quick Google search oh, right. is probably all that you need. You don't need to get into the, the total nitty-gritty, because that stuff's not going to end up in a novel. It doesn't help really move right. the story along. So so long as the story is authentic, um, and in um, my world, at least, um, I like to make sure that you know the events actually happen and unfold in the way that they did. If for some reason I have to 
condense a couple of events or maybe kind of fold one um, historical character into another. Um, that happened in, and they called it Camelot because the cast was already large enough. So uh, there were mm-hmm. some very peripheral characters that, you know, for example, one of them um, told Jackie that he bet her that uh, she wouldn't end up marrying JFK. And it was like a dollar bet. Um, and then he was waving a dollar at her in the church. Well, it's kind of a cute story, so I just had Bobby Kennedy do it, but then I owned up to, hey, it wasn't actually Bobby, it was this family friend who Bobby knew, and so on. Um, The author's note is my friend, it's kind of my confessional for those sorts of things. Right. Have you, I mean, with the different things that you've written, um, what has been the general feedback from uh, historians, or, or, and then I know that there's a difference between historians, people who love history, and then just, then readers. I mean, what has been your uh, feedback from these kind of, these different groups? Um, so with, and they called it Camelot, uh, the reader mm-hmm. response has been really great. Um, a lot of people have mentioned, you know, this feels like it is a memoir. Um, it's told in first person um, as if, you know, Jackie was sitting down and, telling you, here's here's my life. Um, and I did that mm-hmm. on purpose because I wanted, her life was so amazing, and I feel like um, she is a contemporary of people who are alive today, but there's really just kind of the tip of the iceberg that a lot of people um, are actually aware of. The, you know, she, okay, she was in the car when JFK was assassinated. Um, she had a couple of kids. She married Onassis. That's Jackie Kennedy, whereas the reality mm-hmm. of it is she was so much more than that. Um, sure. So, yeah, the, um, the the research really helps with that. Um, and then, yeah, um, I'm sorry, can you restate the question? I've got people coming in, no, no, about, <laughs> the whole, like, yeah, work from I mean, home thing, my whole family. <laughs> I, yeah, I believe me, I totally get it. So, I mean, there's always different readers that read historical fiction. So you've always got um, the reader that's just reading for pure joy and escapism. And then you have the person who's kind of a history buff. And then you have actual historians. So right. have you had a pretty good cross-section of positive responses from those different groups? Yeah. So um, the the historians, um, I haven't had backlash um, on either of the, the two recent novels at all. Um, and I think that's because mm-hmm. I, I put so much research into it. I mean, these books were years in the making. Um, mm-hmm. I, I was actually kind of tickled the other day. Um, I posted a tweet actually about um, Alice Roosevelt um, and Stacey Cordery, who wrote this amazing biography on um, Alice. I don't know if she caught it on a hashtag or something, but, um, you know, she liked my tweet. And I was like, oh, yay, that's like a little validation. Um, the only time that I've had a historian reach out was actually about that Egyptian um, pharaoh. That that book is called Daughter of the Gods. Uh, and she mm-hmm. pointed out that, hey, you had this one detail about Hatshepsut's daughter. And, in fact, uh, it might have been something that uh, actually unfolded in this other way. And she pointed me to some research that a friend of hers had done that um, I just hadn't been aware of because it wasn't widely published. Mm-hmm. Um, and, sure. you know, that's something that when you've got someone who lived – 4,000 years ago almost, um, there's going to be a lot of uh, the historical record that's been lost. Um, Whereas I tried really hard to adhere to what we did have for those uh, stories of the ancient women, Um, but I had to fill in the gaps. Um, And if something isn't widely published, then I wasn't aware of it. Um, Whereas when you've got these um, novels about these 
modern women, um, I I wasn't going to make things up. I've had um, readers uh, reach out in book clubs and things on Zoom and say, hey, well, what about this scene where you know, Jackie Kennedy met with um, this doctor whose nickname was Dr. Feelgood, and both she and JFK got injections from him. Was that real? Yes. I mean, I wasn't there. I don't have a time machine. But um, when I had mm-hmm. something that felt like, ooh, I don't know, this is something that people might call me on, um, I made sure that I could find verification in multiple sources. Um, so right. hopefully what I have put out there is as accurate a portrayal as a historical fiction um, work can be. Right. And and part of it is you are fighting um, the image or the perceived image versus the reality. And so it's like filling in those gaps of the fly on the wall type um, perspective. Uh, but I mean, there are going to be things that you're just, like you're saying, you're going to have to fill in um, as, as you go because you weren't, you know, right there the whole time. Um, and, and you've done so very beautifully. Uh, with the book um, American Princess, uh, I really loved the write-up you had about how um, Jackie Kennedy had talked about uh, Alice Roosevelt and how she had really admired her, and they'd actually gotten to meet a few times. And Alice Roosevelt was Teddy Roosevelt's daughter, not FDR, uh, FDR's daughter. So she was in her, what, 80s when um, he became, uh, Kennedy became president? Yeah, she was, because um, she passed away in 1980 um, and lived to be 96. So she okay. she knew okay. anyone so, and everyone yeah. in Washington. Uh, and I, I really enjoyed um, Jackie Kennedy gets a cameo in American Princess, and then Alice Roosevelt mm-hmm. got a cameo in, and they called it Camelot. Um, I, I loved that the two of them knew each other. Um, and actually, Alice Roosevelt was a really good friend of um, Bobby Kennedy. So she actually knew... The, the whole Kennedy clan, I felt like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's it's always interesting to to look at people and you're like, man, I had no idea um, with all these different things. But with what what are you calling modern? Are you calling a modern woman someone in the last hundred years, two hundred years? You know, where what is your what is your general guideline for that? Um, well, when I say modern history, I think uh, pretty much 20th century. Um, and technically, okay. the definition of history is anything that's 50 years or older. Um, so mm-hmm. that means that the 70s are creeping up into history, which is kind of crazy. Um, but since my my initial foray into writing was, you know, um, my first book that was published was about Empress Theodora of the Byzantine Empire. So, you know, that's 2,500 years ago. So my perspective might be right. slightly skewed, but I, f- I figure the last 100 years or so definitely fit as more modern. Sure. Yeah. So you've been, you're, you're going, you're get that seventh grade book report done and you, and you're thinking about all these different ladies that um, history hasn't remembered all that well or that accurately. And when do you decide you know what, I'm going to write a book about one of these ladies. Um, so I can credit my daughter with that in some degree, um, because my first novel um, that was written was actually the one about Pharaoh Hatshepsut. It was the second one published. Um, but after she was born, you know, it's kind of like being in quarantine when you have a new baby, <laughs> because you yes. don't leave the house yes. much, and your sleeping schedule is shot to heck. And uh, there were just nights when... <laughs> I couldn't sleep, or she was up and just wanted to be held. Um, and I, at the same time, 
uh, was reading more about Hatshepsut because that was when some of that new archaeology was unfolding because they found her mummy. Um, and right. the, the story that had been in everyone's head about this whole, like, usurper, evil stepmother, took the throne from her stepson, blah, 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 they found, well, that's not actually the case. And this woman lived to be in her 50s, um, and she wasn't killed off because they, they hadn't known what had happened to her, and he had destroyed her monuments, but, oh, actually that happened like 30 years after she died, so it wasn't in this fit of rage. And I thought, you know what, there's no story out there about this woman who is really one of the, the pioneers in women's history because she was the ruler of one of the earliest empires in history, um, and she was incredibly successful. She helped usher in Egypt's golden age. Um, and there were novels about her, but they, they adhered to the older narrative, which was based on the history that we thought was accurate and correct. Um, and I just I couldn't get her story out of my head. And it took a long time to write. Um, I think the first pa 100 pages took me a year. <laughs> and that is also wow. in part because of my daughter, because, you know, you sit down and you've got this infant, and maybe you can knock out a page or so, and then, oh, i got to take care of her. Um, but I, I couldn't get and that brain story out of somewhere else. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so uh, I ended up eventually finishing that one um, and then kind of set it aside because uh, I was back to work and teaching um, and stumbled across Empress Theodora. Um, her story would become The Secret History is the name of the novel that I wrote about her. Um, because I was kind of annoyed. I was teaching world history at the time, and we got to the Byzantine Empire, which kind of gets shortchanged in American textbooks anyways. Um, but it's Rome, part two. And there was this single sentence about this woman who had been a prostitute and then marries the emperor, and there's this uprising, and she, um, her husband is getting ready, the emperor is getting ready to flee and give up his throne, and she gives a speech and convinces him to stay and saves the empire. Um, he goes on to be Emperor Justinian, who golden age of the Byzantine Empire until a plague hits. Eh. Um, and that was it. She got one sentence. I was like, wait, what Like, mm -hmm. what was her speech? What? How How did she convince right. all of these men not to flee? Like, this is a pivotal moment in history. And she gets a sentence? A sentence? Really? Yeah. Um, so I tracked down primary sources and actually got the speech and what contemporaries said about her and realized that there was even more to her story because her contemporaries wrote about um, – really just vilifying her because she essentially was a woman and she was powerful and the emperor listened to her and that was unheard of um, at the time. Right. So from there I just kept dusting off stories of other women in history that people hadn't known about. Uh, now with Jackie Kennedy, for example, like I said, people know about her, but they don't really know the whole story. So that's my goal right. is to, to bring these women's stories to life um, for modern readers so they can appreciate um, the things that they endured and sacrificed and overcame. So what has been some of the surprises you have found with your research? I mean, I know that there's, we could talk for hours, I'm sure. But I mean, what are some of like your top three uh, surprises you have found when you've done research on your different, um, different, uh, bear, uh, you know, different fantastic ladies? Um, so the one I'll start off with a sad one, I guess, uh, that really has stuck with me um, for, and they called it Camelot, um, when I was researching. like There were so many things that I uncovered about Jackie um, that showed me that she had 
a whole lot of hidden depths. People think of Jackie and they think, oh, she was elegantly dressed. She was there when JFK was assassinated. There we go. Uh, but, for example, she renovated the White House uh, into mm-hmm. the the monument that it is today. Uh, it was in sad, sad shape before she took over. She um, saved Grand Central Station in New York, which I had no idea about. Um, the um, Temple of Dendur that's in the Met, um, she's responsible for that as well because she helped JFK get behind um, saving monuments in Egypt uh, when the Aswan Dam was going through. So she did mm-hmm. all of these amazing things. But then the heartbreaking thing that I found, like this woman endured miscarriage stillbirth. Um, She had three babies who actually died. Um, JFK is assassinated while she's right next to him. She manages to kind of pick up the pieces of her life. Um, I think she was doing it a lot uh, for Caroline and John Jr. Um, And then, Mm -hmm. of course, Bobby Kennedy, she was very close with, and then he's assassinated. Um, And it was very telling um, that Jackie Kennedy was the one who had to sign the um, essentially like the do not resuscitate um, order um, to take him off of the machines that were keeping him alive in the hospital because none of the other Kennedys could bring themselves to do it. Like this woman who had endured so much is the one who has to be the one to make this final decision for her brother-in-law. Um, and that wow. that was heartbreaking. Um because she and Bobby were extremely wow. close um, after JFK's assassination. Um, and then, of course, she marries Onassis, I think, in large part because mm-hmm. she needed somebody who she felt could keep her children safe because things were falling apart here in America. Right, um, right. So that was um, a surprise. Um Let's see. As far as other surprises, um, Alice Roosevelt was full of surprises. Um, My research on her oftentimes had me laughing out loud, where my husband would kind of poke his head in from the other room, like, what are you laughing about? Um, She, for example, um, kept a snake in her purse because who wouldn't do that? And she would actually let it run loose at dinner parties in the White House just to see what would happen. Like, she was, I don't know. She liked to stir the pot, we'll say. She and Theodore Roosevelt didn't get along um, in their early days, uh, especially when she is a teenager. Um, one, the the last thing I guess that I'll I'll include on this list as far as surprises go that um, she was definitely a media sensation, uh, maybe even one of the very first media sensations. This is turn of the century. Um, she's the president's daughter. Theodore Roosevelt actually had to. Um, pay off the press, essentially, um, to not include photographs of her, for example, like gambling at horse races, uh, because that was not allowed. Um, But one thing that surprised me was, and it shouldn't have surprised me, uh, was that the media was um, definitely in favor of posting whatever salacious things they could about her and not necessarily fact-checking. So I had to do a lot of digging. There was a scene... And I found the actual uh, newspaper article that said, you know, she was on this trip with this man that everybody was speculating would become her fiancé, and she was on this tour to the Far East visiting China and Japan and so on, and she um, shocked everyone by jumping into the swimming pool on this boat while fully clothed, which was so totally not socially acceptable, especially for a woman of her class and so on. Um, And they reported that she had jumped in with this man that everybody was speculating she was having this romance with, um, when in fact she didn't jump into this pool with him at all. Um, And it wasn't until I was reading her autobiography that I managed to get a copy of that uh, she mentioned it was this other guy um, that was actually an old family friend who jumped in after she had jumped in. And I thought, well, wait a minute. 
and I had to go find the uh, actual article that had been referenced in so many biographies about her, and I thought, okay, so this is the media trying to sell papers, um, and mm-hmm. it it is a story that, you know, it was even on Wikipedia. I had to go in and change her Wikipedia page on a couple of things because I found the original sources and said, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> I'm going to have readers calling me out when I put the real version in because that's not the version that's out there um, right. that everyone else can be familiar with, you know, with a couple of clicks. Well, yeah, I mean, yellow, yellow journalism was going on for sure, and Hearst loved to sell papers. So, I mean, you've got, um, you know, whatever headlines will sell those papers. Uh, and, you know, sadly, clickbait is still around. Um, it will be forever. Uh, yep. But, I mean, I think there's a certain point as a writer that you do want it to be as accurate as possible. Yeah, you want to sell books, don't get me wrong, but you would – feel like you hadn't done the right job if you hadn't put the right information in there. Right. And in that instance, you know, if the press 100 years ago was putting out this false story and then I write a book about her and I perpetuate the same false story, then that mm-hmm. that's on me. <laughs> so I was, right. I was glad that I was able to track down the, the reality um, and then hopefully, you know, not have Wikipedia change their page back. <laughs> right. <laughs> Exactly. So you have written about, um, you know, ancient Egypt and and the Byzantine era. You've also written about two modern women, and then you have a book also about um, the the wife or one of, I guess, one of the many wives of Genghis Khan. Also, mm-hmm. is one of your books, and then yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I went on a bit of a conqueror's kick. I don't know, it was never planned this way, but it seems my books come in kind of sets of two. Um, Not that they're actually linked to each other, but my first two books were about ancient female rulers. My next two books were about um, conqueror's women. So my third Mm -hmm. book um, is The Tiger Queens, and that's, as you said, the um, wife, daughter, it's four women really, um, who uh, were part of Genghis Khan's empire. Um, And then my fourth book is on Alexander the Great's sister, wife, the mom's in there too. Um, Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, and now my my last two have been on these feisty American women who were icons in their own day. Right. So what – who haven't you written about yet? I mean, I know there's like tons. But, I mean, who are you eyeballing for next – for your next book or two? Um, so my next book is actually due to my editor tomorrow, um, and oh, that one I went reached into um, obscurity, I guess. Um, there is a woman that I stumbled upon. Uh, her name is Elizabeth Bentley, and she is, again, more modern. Um, she was American, and she was a spy for Russia during World War II. Um, mm-hmm. Then as soon as... America and Russia fell out uh, as soon as the war was over and we decided that Stalin wasn't actually such a good guy. Um, Then she ended up turning coat. uh, She became a turncoat, and she uh, became an informer for the FBI. So this was before McCarthyism, um, and whereas Joseph McCarthy was really just a bunch of hot air and bluster, and he had his list that was totally not substantiated of, you know, suspected communists in the U.S. government and so on. Um, Elizabeth Bentley actually gave the FBI the list of all of her contacts, all of her names, all of the spies that she knew. She was actually at one point in time the head, she was the linchpin of the largest Soviet spy network in America. 
Um, mm-hmm. And the FBI knew that she was telling the truth because they had decoded some uh, Russian cables, but they couldn't let anyone know that. Um, they didn't actually declassify that project until uh, just recently. Um, so she went on to testify in front of the House of Un-American Activities and so on. Uh, so she's a really intriguing character, but because she spied for Russia and a also because she was a woman and a woman spy at that time, people like now we're uncovering that there were a lot more female spies than we were aware of. Um, and a lot of their stories are going to be told. There's a whole lot of spy books that are coming out, um, historical fiction um, about women mm-hmm. during this time period in the next few years. But um, she, she just kind of disappeared. Um, her obituary, she was in the papers constantly um, during her lifetime when she was testifying and so on. But, um, she, her obituary was like, you know, a few lines in most places, mm-hmm. um, whereas some of the men, um, Alger Hiss and so on, who were involved at those, uh, same times with the same subjects, um, you know, they, they got a whole lot more press and play. Um, so she's been really intriguing and she's far more obscure than say Jackie Kennedy. So I've been able to, to play with her story because there are more gaps, um, in it of things that right. we don't know for sure. And it's interesting because there are a lot of books coming out, or there have been a lot of books coming out in the last couple of years, like A Woman of No Importance and the Alice, Alice Network and even Spy from Daniel Steele. And, you know, you've got this intrigue, and I don't know if it's because um, obviously stuff is being declassified. It's been more than 50 years. But also I, maybe there's just this push of, you know, how much women have played into these different roles of different situations, whether it be war or pre-war or post-war or, or you know, medicine or what have you, um, military, et cetera. Um, it, I wonder what the big interest is. Do you, do you have thoughts on that? Um, I think when it comes to things like these spy stories and so on, um, especially from you know, World War II especially, um, there's a fascination with that time period right now. But even beyond that, uh, these women, women have always been part of history, um, but they weren't mm-hmm. always written about. And oftentimes women who had power had to operate um, kind of from within the shadows. Um, I found that even when I was writing about, you know, these ancient female pharaohs and so on. They had to navigate things very carefully so as not to completely upset the apple cart. Um, and so mm-hmm. I think that this I know my fascination with, for example, Elizabeth Bentley's story is that how could a woman have been that powerful behind the scenes? Um, I mean, she's the one who helped take down um, the Rosenbergs who were executed for espionage, who more documents mm-hmm. have been declassified and said, yeah, they were actually really guilty. Um, they they gave the Russians the secret of the atom bomb. Um, but she, like Elizabeth Bentley had to do these things from behind the scenes, not only because she was a spy, but because she was a woman. Um, when mm-hmm. her first handler, who she was also romantically involved with, um, died unexpectedly, she ended up with um, a set of other Russian handlers, and they really looked down their noses at her as like, you're not capable of doing this job that she had been doing, um, but mm-hmm. she had she had navigated it in such a way that even her superiors didn't realize what exactly she was doing, because if they had realized it, they wouldn't have trusted her with it. And as soon as they realized it, they tried to pull her out. Um, and, um, yeah, it's it's really fascinating what women have been able to do, but oftentimes, again, it's in the shadows. Right. 
Well, and, and, and I've been finding a lot of books in the last few years um, that have been out. They just haven't gotten a lot of notice. Um, I mean, if anybody's aware, it's like Josephine Baker was a spy for the Allies, um, and you know, she had kind of a unique position where she would go in and sing and entertain at these different places, and she spoke a few different languages. And so she could, people, she pretends she couldn't understand, but she could understand fine, and of course bring those um, secrets back. But then you also had like you're talking about the power play and making sure they had to do it subtly. Well, you, you go back to the classic example of Matahari, who, you know, was she, did she betray or was she betrayed? We don't know. Um, but then to know that they were easy scapegoats and expendable, um, that, yeah, it's that fine line that they all have to walk for all of this, for sure. Yeah, yeah, and those stories are so fascinating. I mean, there's some a bit of nebulousness about Many of them, I found that with Elizabeth Bentley as well, because she was accused of lying um, on the stand and things like that. And, you know, sometimes it looks like maybe she did, but sometimes she didn't, and people still didn't believe her. Um, Mm -hmm. And, yeah, yeah, it's just fascinating. Makes for a good story. Yeah, it does. It does. And I think that it's, it's important that these women's names become more commonplace. Like, we know people don't say who. You know, we can say people start saying, oh, yeah, so-and-so. Um, and I think that's part of what I would love to see more so um, in history books. And, um, I mean, what? how long do you think it would take for more stories like this, and not only women but people of color and how all of these different people played a part in you know, these bigger pictures? How long do you think it will be before it – might be in, taught in, in schools, or is this something that we're always going to have to stretch um, and go find on our own? Um, I think I, I'm going to take the, the glasses half full approach here, um, because okay. as a teacher, I think that there are a lot of pushes um, to make sure that everyone's story is told. I know as a teacher I, I make a point um, to bring these women's stories to light, but then also, you know, telling other people's stories. Like, okay, mm-hmm. so we know about George Washington, but let's also talk about Toussaint Louverture and let's talk about Simone Bolivar because they're people of color, they're a different ethnicity, but they did the same kind of things that George Washington did. Um, Mm-hmm. So let, let's explore these things. Um, I think, though, to some extent, there's always going to be that kind of great man of history approach. Um, and mm-hmm. that goes back to, yeah, there were women doing things, but their stories are more subtle. And so it does take more kind of teasing those out. And that takes a concerted effort to tease out those stories. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you get one mm-hmm. that is bigger. Like, you know, I, I hope that most kids, by the time they're done with a world history class, they can say, yes, I know who Queen Elizabeth I was. I, I've heard right. of Catherine the Great. <laughs> like, check, check. Um, but then it's it's a matter of, all right, so let's work our way down this, this pyramid, this hierarchy or whatever, and realize that there were other women who were doing things. There were the nurses, there were the spies, there were the teachers, there were all of these mm-hmm. other roles. Um, and and that's the same thing with, you know, different ethnicities and things like that. Like, okay, we know who Martin Luther King Jr. was, but what about some of the other? Like, have you heard of Malcolm X? Okay, yes, mm-hmm. that's good. Mm-hmm. But what about some of these other folks? Um, so mm-hmm. 
hopefully there will become more of that. I, I like to think that um, historical fiction can help bridge that. Um, I know when yeah. I was in high school, I remember going into the bookstore and just looking through covers in the fiction section and looking for anything that looked old because I just wanted historical fiction. And I ended up having to read a lot of romances because they were actually set in like Scotland in the 1800s. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that, that's all I can find. Okay, fine. Um, but now, now there's just shelves of it. Um, so, yeah, you know, yeah. now I have the opposite problem where I walk into the bookstore and if I'm just perusing <laughs> covers, it's like, oh, okay, my, my husband is giving me the eye because I have 15 books in my arms and there's still more <laughs> shelves to get to. So, right. Uh, right. yeah. And, and the shelves at home are overflowing. And why are you buying more books when you haven't finished the books <laughs> Yes. yes, yes, that's the story of my life. Right. My husband actually has to yes. build me more shelves right now because yes. of the research. Right, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's it's fair. A good problem to have. Yeah, I, yeah, it is a good problem to have. I, but I think too, and going along with the glasses half full moment, um, our thoughts there. The internet is there, and the um, amount of information is there, and and projects are becoming more mainstream. I mean, would you have thought five years ago that you know, my kids would be walking around singing about the American Revolution from a musical. No, you know, I mean, they wouldn't have. But now they know these characters in history because of one guy who decided to write a book about Alexander Hamilton and then this other guy who liked the book and wanted to make a musical. And so you've got all these different these different resources now. Um, and people are wanting the stories. They're hungry. So I... Yeah, you can't teach it all in school because sometimes it's just, I'm sure, it's a struggle for a teacher, and you can probably uh, probably know this far more than I. Um, it's <laughs> you can only teach so much in 45 minutes um, and stuff that will stick. Uh, Absolutely. But knowing that, yeah, knowing that research is out there and that availability is is massive, and I I, I think that's that kind of falls sometimes to you know the rest of us. Do you know about this? Do you know about that? Do you know, but this person, and, and I, I'm glad that information is there um, for a lot of us. And, and you're writing these books that people say, oh, I didn't know about Alice Roosevelt. Oh, okay, well, let me go read something more uh, about her. And, and that just opens that door. Um, what, now, when you have, you have Al, Elizabeth Bentley next, do you have books and projects plotted out, you know, two, three down the line? Uh, not this time, no. Um, uh, I have hopefully a call with my editor coming up uh, where we'll chat. I have some ideas, um, of -hmm. some ladies, uh, that I'm, I'm interested in for sure. Uh, there's, there's a lot of women that I would like to write about, um, but it also is up to kind of the market. Like right now, I think readers, and this is also due in large part to uh, the wonderful Hamilton musical. So yay, mm-hmm. Lin-Manuel for Miranda for making everybody think that American history is cool again. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> that musical really kind of turned people on to the fact that, hey, American history can be cool and fun. Um, right, and at the right. same time, there became this fascination with especially the world wars, Um so right now, publishers and readers are hungry for stories that are um, certainly American. This isn't saying that they're not interested in other stories, but uh, American stories um, who maybe in the last uh, century, uh, and my 
my goal is, well, I, I need to write about someone who was real. Uh, so, you know, I've had people in the industry say, well, why don't you make up some fictional person who was at this event or whatever? But my goal is to teach about these amazing people who actually lived and the things that they did. So I always mm-hmm. need... I always need that that story of that person who actually, you know, shook the tree of history or whatever you want to call it, um, because that's right. that's what I, I I'm going to spend at least a year writing this story and then another year working on revising and so on, um, minimum. So I need to to love their story. Right. So you take and that was another question I was going to ask you is it takes you about a year to get all the research together usually. Um, the research I do, it's an ongoing process, um, you know, for, okay. and they called it Camelot. I read, uh, I've got shelves and shelves of books on, I think, everything about the Kennedys that you could ever want to know about, um, and certainly on Jackie. Um, so the the initial step is usually I'll get a biography on the person, like kind of the pivotal biography, so I can get a feel for, okay, so what were the the major events in their life? And event mm-hmm. A led to B to C and so on. Um, and then I can kind of plot out where the story is going to go because I, I have to hit those events. So that's kind of the the framework, the, the hanger that I'm going to hang the story from. Uh, and then I, I continue reading more books. Um, so like with Jackie Kennedy's story, I read um, a biography just on her. I actually started with um, Clint Hill's um, amazing biography. He was her sur- Secret Service agent. Um, if anyone mm-hmm. likes nonfiction, I highly recommend that one. It's fantastic. Um, and okay. then started to get a little bit more specific. So, you know, there's books on Jackie and her mom and her sister, Lee. Well, okay, they're going to be in the book. So I've, I've got them plugged into certain scenes where they actually were when things were happening. And now let's read more about them so I can get more on the, the dynamic of their relationships and things like that. Um, and then right. it even came down to once I had everything there, I found, uh, for example, this, I can't remember the name of it. Um, I think it was written by uh, one of the Gabraiths, um, who was actually with Jackie when she did her uh, trips to Europe and then also to India and Pakistan. But it's it's almost like a children's book. So it's a picture book, okay. and it's got, you know, what Jackie Kennedy was doing in this picture. Um, and it's adorable, but it, then it also had specifics of like, hey, she went to this hospital and she gave them this gift. And I hadn't found that anywhere else in any other research. Um, so I, I just keep researching all the way up really until my editor says, you cannot make any more changes in this manuscript. It is now done and going to press. So, no more. And that's really the fun part. <laughs> right, right. And how does that work for pictures? If you um, do, you I mean, you just credit who, where you found the pictures. Do you reach out to um, those, those photographers? How does that work? Um, so none of my novels to date, but I'm hoping that this mm-hmm. will change uh, with the Elizabeth Bentley novel, which is tentatively titled Clever Girl. Um, so I haven't had to get permission because I'll just reference the pictures and then, you know transform what I'm seeing into words uh, in the story. Okay. Um, however, I thought it was absolutely fabulous. Um, another great recommendation um, for a book uh, for any of your listeners, um, The Fountains of Silence by um, Ruta Septis. I'm not sure if I pronounced yes. her last name right, but um, yes. her most recent novels, uh, The Fountain of Silence, is on um, the Spanish um, Civil War right before World War II. Right. And it has 
photographs in the back. Um, and it also had uh, primary source documentation, um, little excerpts that she took out that started each chapter. And I absolutely loved that. Because uh, I have had readers ask me, well, why can't you just include pictures, um, you know, at the mm-hmm. start of every chapter or whatever? Uh, and for a subject like Jackie Kennedy, um, I, that was something that it would have been fun to do. But I know there's some some legal issues, too, especially since this one was written in first person. Um, and I, I didn't want readers thinking that it was actually you know, Jackie Kennedy sure. writing this, telling this. Um, once you start adding pictures, it almost starts to look more like a nonfiction book, um, which sometimes right. you can get away with, but not in that instance. So I didn't want to misrepresent anything. Right, right. Well, thank you so, so much for being here today, Stephanie. This was just a wonderful, wonderful um, talk. And so we're looking forward to hearing about your next book. Uh, and hopefully you'll get your edits in tomorrow. So good luck with that. Thank you. Fingers crossed. <laughs> and yes, thank you so much yes. for having me. This was a lovely break in my, my work from home day. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad. So glad. Please come back next, with, when your next project is out. Oh, I would absolutely love to. Thank you. This was Readers Entertainment Radio. I'm Patricia W. Fisher. I've been talking with author Stephanie Thornton, whose two new books are out now. One, uh, the first one is And They Called It Camelot, a novel by Jacqueline Bouvier Kennedy Onassis, and the other, American Princess, a novel by first daughter Alice Roosevelt. And if you'd like to get a hold of, of Stephanie, you can check her out on her website, Twitter, Goodreads, Facebook, and Instagram, and all of those links are in the write-up of the show. Keep on reading, friends, and stay safe. This show brought to you by Circle of Seven Productions, www.cosproductions.com. Please be sure to subscribe and welcome to our circle.